Hi, I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Welcome to my show, America Can We Talk. Today, we're going to talk about tyranny and censorship exploding, which is why I speak. Russ Ramsland, founder and CEO of Allied Security Operations Group, joins me in studio. And impeachment bloviation from Article 3 of the 14th Amendment. And of course, I'll tell you why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned. Debbie Georgiatis, host of America Can We Talk, is an author, attorney, and political analyst whose mission is to inspire the American political conversation about preserving liberty in the best country on earth. Hello again and welcome to America Can We Talk to today's First Five. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Yesterday during the show, I was getting quite a few comments on YouTube and other places, basically to the point, why don't you let this election thing go? At this point, you know, Congress has certified Electoral College and all the conversation we're having now just seems to be stirring people up. And at some point we have to move on. And I want to address that. And I also want to, in this first five, very quickly, just give you a skin the surface level explanation of all the things that really drive me to keep on talking about it because they're examples of how much the left is exploiting this situation. Why I talk about it is this the actual evidence of election fraud, vote fraud being the physical things that happen, running ballots through dead people voting, election fraud, electronic manipulation of voter tabulation software, all of that, every single court, state and federal level, who has had a case in front of it, where any of these allegations were made, every single court, especially as to the electronic manipulation or vote switching, to use an easy term, uh, has been alleged. Every single court has dismissed those cases without looking at the evidence. They have not looked at what evidence exists, has been compiled, they dismiss it on procedural grounds. So when your friends tell you, well, we've been through this, every single court's dismissing it. And so that's one reason I talk about it, is because no one has actually, no one in authority, including the FBI, the DOJ, the courts who've been able to look at it, have had the authority to look at it, have done anything about it. The next thing, reason I talk about it is because if this occurred in this election cycle and previous election cycles and is not uncovered, then we Americans have no right, no reasonable expectation to expect honest elections in the future in America. Because an entire election at the federal level, the presidency being stolen and no investigation occurs, then the people who conducted this, the people who understand how to do it, the people involved, have absolutely no motivation to stop doing it. They, in fact, they are emboldened with the idea, I must go ahead and keep doing it because no one seems to be stopping me. So we no longer have a representative democracy. We no longer have free and fair elections. We have elections contorted and manipulated by whoever happens to have the most power at that time. This is the other reason to talk about it. But the other thing I want to hit in this very just brief summary of it is why I'm so concerned this election cycle we should care about election fraud no matter who was running. If it was Joe Milktoast on one side and Jim Milktoast on the other, and so we really think, well, what difference does it make in terms of policy? We still should care about election fraud. But what we are looking at right now is a very emboldened Marxist left in America bringing radical change to America. And folks, remember, we're not even past Inauguration Day. 
Joe Biden is not even president yet, if he is going to be inaugurated. We're still at the phase where, it, just with the, their sights on the idea that the radical left in this country, which is the Democrat Party, will have the White House, the Senate, and the House. They're already behaving in a, in a censoring way. They're censoring people and tyranny. I'm just give you the quickest rundown. We can spend the whole show, and we will someday, talking about these examples. We've talked about how censorship happens from the not just the power of the government, and you're supposed to have some protection under the First Amendment, but how the whole mindset of the leftist Marxist uh, mentality that decides, we'll decide what you can hear, we'll decide who can speak, and we'll decide what will be discussed or not be discussed. So you have a number of major corporations in America, Verizon, Airbnb, uh, I'm gonna mention some other big ones, Marriott, um, the hotel giant Marriott, Blue Cross Blue Shield, Commerce Bank Shares, uh, Hallmark, an enormous company, Dow, uh, I mean, American Airlines, Hilton, Goldman Sachs have all announced they are going to suspend donations to Republicans involved in the Biden certification challenge. Not people who they would falsely claim incited a riot. People who even stood up in the Senate or the House and said, you know what, this doesn't look right. Maybe we should look at this. Major corporate America joined the Marxist left saying, we're going to cut off your donations. In fact, Hallmark has actually gone to the length of asking, uh, I believe it was, yes, yeah, Senators Hawley, um, asked Senator Hawley uh, and Marshall, whoever that, to return past political contributions. This is, this is the left-wing mindset taking control. We have... In the United States Senate, we have Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley, two of the senators who actually stood up and challenged some of the, elect the fraudulent electors. We have the chair of the, the Homeland Security, the House Homeland Security chair named Benny Thompson has announced that if he finds, or if they find that Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley have been, or are guilty of inciting a riot, in inciting the riot at the Capitol, that they should be put on the terrorist no-fly list. And let me just remind you of something. What does it mean to be guilty of inciting a riot? If you stand up in the Senate and say, you know, I'm really troubled by the electoral votes in these states. They look to have been fraudulent. Are you inciting a riot? I'm sure Benny Thompson would say yes, and other people would. This is using that one day, that one action at the Capitol, where there were many indications that Antifa and other leftist groups were involved, at least in instigating and probably uh, within and, and also within the Capitol and probably the majority in the Capitol, but being used by the left to clamp down. So they're talking about putting Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley on the terrorist no-fly list. There's a story out that Cumulus, one of the major radio networks in this country, has told its talk show hosts that they must threat they are threatened with being fired if they discuss any further disputing election results. These include Mark Levin, Ben Shapiro, Dan Bongino, and others. I will say, I read secondhand that Mark Levin has said he did not get such an email from Cumulus. So I don't know if this really happened, but the story is out there being spread around, and including by the Wall Street Journal, which is usually doesn't normally uh, traffic in complete conspiracy. But in any case, the mindset of the media people stop talking about the election being in dispute. Harvard, not that you want to brag about Harvard, but Harvard has removed uh, the GOP uh, representative, Elise Stefanik. She's a Republican from the state of New York. Uh, Purged her from some position she held. I didn't even bother digging down, but some position she held as a Harvard grad. She's been removed from that because she because she dared to challenge some of the electors whom she viewed to be fraudulent. 
as you know, Twitter taking people down, not just, you know, a, a, a wild, extreme conspiracy theorist, people like Donald Trump, Lieutenant General Michael Flynn, Sidney Powell, um, and also, I want to mention one other one, Twitter, I mean, excuse me, Facebook took down the entire account. It was one of the most inspiring things on Facebook, the group called Walk Away. It's just a bunch of people saying why I became in involved in politics and why I'm changing my mind, why I don't want to be a Democrat anymore, why I'm going to vote Republican, whatever the reasons they have. These are people, I mean, literally, they're kind of stories. I used to enjoy going to that page just because it was fun to read about people's thinking and lives. That's taken down. Can't even talk about the idea of why you might not want to be part of the Democrat Party. So we have a growing, censoring tyrannical mindset in Washington, within the Congress, within corporate America, within social media, and people, Biden isn't even president yet. Keep that in mind. More on this later. I'm going to, at the end of the show, I'm going to do a brief segment today to talk about the House's impeachment effort, which includes also clamping down on people, punishing people, and questioning their right to maintain their seat in Congress if they oppose any of the Biden electors. Seriously, people who are facing censorship, time to be awake is right now. That was my first five. Thanks for listening. Now we're going to turn and talk. I mentioned we have a guest in the studio. Um, and I will tell you, we start a little bit later, uh, late today. Um, and, you know, we try to start right at three. It doesn't happen all the time. But anyway, we started late because we're trying to get organized uh, to get a PowerPoint ready to share with you. In studio with me today is Russ Ramsland. He has been on the show numerous times. He is a, uh, he happens to be a friend, longtime friend, um, and but he is also the founder of ASOG, Allied Security Operations Group. And on this show, because we're not governed by Cumulus Radio or any other corporate entity, we can still talk about election integrity. It does still matter. It matters to expose what happened, even if. Nothing about, even if on January 2021, we inaugurate Joe Biden and he sits in that White House for four years, it's still important to understand what happened so it can be exposed, so wrongdoers can hopefully be prosecuted and so we can pre prevent it from happening again. But understand, much will change in this country if Biden is inaugurated on January 20th, because then we're gonna have a DOJ and an FBI, law enforcement agency at the national level, all controlled by the Democrat Party. They were barely able to conduct reasonable investigations when we had a Republican in the White House and when we had a Republican uh, first uh, two years, House and Senate, barely could engage in any serious investigation of wrongdoing by leftists. If we don't, everything doesn't get exposed now, we're not gonna have any energy coming out of the DOJ or FBI under a Biden administration to get to the root of election fraud. It's why it's important to keep Spread, to, to keep uh, exposing it, understanding it, explaining it, growing in our knowledge of it right now while we still have time to talk about it. So with that, first of all, Russ, welcome to the show. Thank you. Always, always a joy to be here. I don't really like all these appearances, but it's always a joy to be here. <laughs> well, I think they're fun. But uh, yeah, I mean, I'm sorry for the reason you have to be here. Yes. Okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, I will mention, uh, we're going to go into, and his organization, ASOG, is the one we're going to hear about in just a moment that did the review, the forensic review of the Dominion voting machines in Antrim County, Michigan. We never even got to talk to him since then. What I want to tell you, what we're really going to talk about after Antrim is this explosive story about what could be exposed to the public, what President Trump apparently has on his desk and within his power to release the American public so we can all understand better precisely what occurred, the evidence of what occurred 
in the November 3rd, 2020 election cycle. There was an article up on the internet. It was actually published on January 3rd, kind of um, came to people's attention yesterday and today. Uh, it was called Proof Positive Coordinated Cyber Warfare Attack Against the U.S. by China, Russia, Iran, Iraq, Pakistan to steal the election from Trump. It's an amazing article. Fortunately, uh, Russ sent me this morning. I printed it out and went back to grab the URL and realized it's already been taken down. But it talks a lot about uh, the detail about the organizations that could be exposed, could be exposed, their role exposed. Um, I think I'm going to leave, uh, leave you with that tease. Go to Antrim, then we can talk about this. So, first of all, you haven't been in Texas much recently. <laughs> <laughs> no, unfortunately, I have been parked in Washington, D.C., the diamond of death, not where I really want to be. But you're there trying to work on exposing election fraud. Yeah, what happened, as you know, in, in November of 18, we had some activists walk into our firm and they showed us some logs from the Dallas 2020 election. And, um, you know, I'm not the, the biggest cyber guy on the planet, but I, I have a lot of people who are very serious cyber people. And they started looking at these logs and they were appalled. And the more we looked at them, the more appalled they got. And I said, well, okay guys, just let's go look at the election system. And so that's where it all started. And what we kept finding um, was really disturbing to me because um, it, it sort of sounded all black hat and conspiratorial and all this kind of stuff. And, and that's really just not, not me, but they kept showing me hard, cold proof and evidence of how vulnerable the electronic voting system is. And so we began to talk about it. Well, over two years, we've been talking about it. We haven't uh, garnered much government attention to it. Yeah. But when this whole thing blew up, suddenly everybody wanted to talk to us and everybody wanted to understand it and everybody wanted a briefing. And so I have been parked for the most part with a, a team of great people up in Washington, D.C., trying to help separate fact from fiction, uh, trying to help people understand that we really do have uh, a fatally flawed voting system that we've got to do something about, whether we do it now or we change it state by state over the next four years. Um, this election was fatally flawed. It was fatally hacked. Uh, I don't, I actually voted for Trump, but this is really not about the president. Right. This is really about whether, whether you're a Democrat or a Republican, you want a voting system that you can trust so that if you win, great, but if you lose, at least you can accept that. You lost fair and square. I have to ask a quick yeah. question. So your organization, to be really clear about the timing, 2018 here in the great state of Texas was when you were approached. So that was long before any controversy about this 2020 election cycle back in 2018. And you were that at that time just looking at the electronic voting machines in Texas and whether or not there was a, a legitimate concern that they were somehow vulnerable to hacking. Is that right. accurate? 2018. That's, that's correct. Okay, so since then you've been, you've been on this. Actually, I've seen several presentations over the years that you've done about this idea, in 20, but you could not get government attention state or federal, to look at the question of whether our machines were reliable or whether they were vulnerable. Right, we just kept getting this, oh, it's all safe, it's all secure, go away, it's not connected to the internet, and we saw it clearly was. And, and since that time, of course, with this last election, it was so huge and so bold, 
Um, and, and so much was changed. And it was changed in so many places that we were brought in to say, well, how does this happen? How did that happen? How do you explain this? And people want some nice little simple explanation. Right. But really, you need to think of it more like it's a building that has 52 different doorways. And people can go in and out of every single this one. This is the election system? Or the, the election, election, the whole election system. Okay. And people can go in and out of all those doors. They can all do things in the building and they can all leave. And um, so you can't say, well, it's, we just need to look at the camera for the front door because there's 52 doors. There's, there's all sorts of ways to go and fool around with an election. And this one was fooled around with in massive, massive ways, as we have seen and discovered um, and, um, and helped investigate. Okay. So um, I know that your organization, ASOG, employs people, to be very quick about the caliber of people you employ, uh, these are former um, military or former federal agency cybersecurity experts. You're not just, I mean, I'd love to have you just a little bit of about the caliber of the people that did this researching that you're working with. Oh, well, you, you've seen some of them. Um, one of the guys on the team is, uh, is Colonel Phil Waldron. You've seen him yeah. uh, testify several times uh, in Georgia and in, uh, in Arizona. Uh, he is a former uh, Intel guy. Um, we have a number of ex-NSA or uh, DIA or even CIA people uh, who are extremely um, cyber-oriented and very good at what they do and have, have seen a lot in their careers. Some of them we, we can't even share their names because yeah. um, it would endanger them because they've done things for this country. Okay, I just want to be sure before we launch into this, the caliber of people, how long you've been looking at it. So your organization was the one, or maybe more than other groups are involved, but you were essentially involved in the forensic analysis of the Dominion voting machines in Antrim County, Michigan. And I will tell cool. you that you guys did a great report, which I, I did not read verbatim the entire thing, but somewhere in the ballpark, I went through, look what they found. <laughs> well, just give a summary of when you looked at the Dominion voting machines in Antrim County, Michigan, what did you find that was amiss? Well, it, it was very interesting, and of course, they're the only ones that we've been able to uh, look at uh, because everyone has uh, done their dead level best to make sure that the American people cannot look into their voting system. They cannot look at their paper ballots, and that alone should raise a lot of questions. I mean, it would be, it would be very similar to, to uh, instead of talking about Dominion, let's talk about Enron. It would be very similar to say, well, you should just put your money in Enron. We, the federal government, are telling you it's a good idea. We're telling you Enron is totally safe. We don't need any pesky uh, third-party auditors in there looking at the books. Just take our word for it, take Enron's word for it, put all your 401k in there. That's essentially what's happening right now. So we did get access to the uh, Dominion voting machines in Antrim, Michigan. <clears throat> And the results were uh, horrifying at best. We saw um, on, on the central tabulator logs, you had about 15,000 lines of events that took place over that tabulator. And 10,000 of those round numbers were errors. Now, what errors. Is, errors. Now, what does that mean? That means something went wrong. 
68% of the time something went wrong and that generally resulted in a ballot going into what's called adjudication. Now in these voting machines you have two sections. You have the regular ballot section and then you have the adjudication section. Adjudication means that the operator or whoever has access to that adjudication file gets to decide how it's voted. Okay, I've got to back up. This 68%, this means of 68% of the people who voted in that county and they filled out their ballot and they put it in the machine, that's you know, over two-thirds of them were, were ruled or, or decided to be to fell into the error pile, meaning the machine was registering, I can't read this ballot, two-thirds of them. Well, actually, right? it could have even been higher or lower than that. Those are just the error messages. Now, you could have had several ballots attached to one error message, or you could have had several error messages that resulted in one ballot. The problem uh, is, in the case of Antrim, Michigan, the adjudication logs are gone. I was going to get to that. There's that one, yeah. The, and the um, adjudication logs, meaning you should be able to go in and look at, well, once you look at this pile of two-thirds of the votes, what was the outcome? You should be able to see, well, two-thirds were for Biden or one-third, or, or, is that right? You should yeah. be able to tell how. So you have no idea what percent going adjudication resulted in Biden versus Trump votes. That is, that is absolutely correct. Now, we could see previous years adjudication logs, but this year's adjudication logs are gonzo. They have disappeared. Not only that, but the security logs that give you an idea about whether or not this has ever been accessed from the inside or from the uh, internet or any place else, those logs are also erased and gone. Okay, so a security log is a feature built in. It normally would tell you, you should be able to go and see, this was accessed by election official. It should tell you the date and time of accessing and who did it. And yeah. that's just all gone. So the adjudication records and the security log are gone. So what did the Antrim County, I mean, what was the answer of Antrim County or the state of Michigan to any of this? Well, the Michigan Secretary of State wants to bury all of this and say, we don't know what we're talking about. The Dominion CEO said, we don't know what we're talking about. But we do know what we're talking about. In fact, the Dominion CEO, it was, it was very sort of humorous. He was saying, well, you know, the algorithm was never used. First off, he said there was no algorithm in Dominion. And of course, his argument isn't with me. His argument is with his own user manual, chapter 11, that yeah. will tell you all about the algorithm that's in there. Then he said, well, it was never used, but in the logs, we see it was used. So now his argument, again, isn't with me, it's with his own machine's logs. And it just went on and on and on like that. We saw, uh, we saw a majority of the votes in many races completely moved and changed. Um, we saw uh, passwords. It, it was amazing, Deb. The passwords that are being used have been posted on the internet since 2012. Now, what that means is anyone who wants to go in and monkey with the system and play with it can use a password that's been around since 2012 and you no longer have any way to figure out who was actually at the keyboard because so many people can use the same password. It's nuts. There is no security. It was ludicrous and should never have been certified. Okay, we could probably spend the whole rest of the show talking just about this kind of thing of, of this failure of the machines to be secure, the ability to access it. 
But I also want to go into, I mean, there's so much to talk about, and there's always more um, topics than time. But I want to move forward to the contents of this article that um, you uh, sent this morning, and I'll quickly tell our listeners. So you may have heard the terms or the names of organizations, uh, Hammer and Scorecard. And very briefly, and I'm not an expert on it, but Mr. Ramson hopefully will be able to tell us more. Um, right now, President Trump apparently has in his possession, he has the authority and some people are saying the responsibility to lift a pair of years old federal gag orders known as the State Secrets Privilege and the Government Protective Order, which are preventing a CAA contractor who is now turned whistleblower, Dennis Montgomery, <coughs> excuse me, from revealing the truth about illegal domestic surveillance program called the Hammer. And one of the Hammer applications is an election theft cyber warfare weapon known as Scorecard. So. People have been talking about hammer and scorecard. People have been talking about how that may have been used to manipulate the election. So this gentleman, Dennis Montgomery, is apparently willing to talk about it. He's a CIA um, person, contractor turned whistleblower, would like to tell what cyber, what a hammer and, and scorecard did in our election cycle in 2020. Cannot do this. And so I'm not going to do that much introduction. And I, and I will tell you, I feel like you listeners are my friends. I'm just going to tell you like I would tell a friend. I don't know what's in Russ's slides today. He has slides ready. <laughs> but I know Russ. I know Russ. Very reliable guy. And so, but he has slides ready to talk about what ASOG has been up to, what they've been uncovering. I believe part of it will cover Hammer and Scorecard. And I hope part of it's going to get into the allegations about foreign interference in America's elections. And by that, as I mentioned, the caption of this article, which was quickly dragged down off the Internet, mentions the countries of China, Russia, Iran, Iraq, Pakistan, um, and to steal the election. Before we launch into his slides, I'll mention one other thing. If you're watching our show last Wednesday, January 6th, you heard the interview I did with Maria Zak. That has been sent all over creation it went viral it involves it uh, her uh, obtaining an affidavit from an individual in italy related to the italian interference in america's elections and the shifting of voter tabulation software in italy i want to say this quick story thing about that and then we're going to turn to everything russ has to say maria zach has told that story and and put that affidavit out Every time she's asked, she does many interviews. I believe she has a new statement out on their website. I haven't had time to listen to it yet, but it's nationsinaction, I think, .com. I think it's .com, nationsinaction.com.org. And she is not only standing by her story, I have seen a lengthy dossier, more information that she has, she's not yet able to put out. But I will tell you what's happening right now is because there is not concrete proof, because someone can't, you know, stand up in court and say, I am so-and-so, I wrote the affidavit, I did it, and, and you know, sign in their blood, in blood or something, because you don't have that level of proof, some people are starting to say, well, well, how do we know it's real? And how do we know it's true? And maybe it's not. We haven't heard anything that proves it's untrue, but we also haven't gotten the kind of validation everyone would like to find. So we don't have anything to disprove it, and we don't have the further proof. Believe me, Maria Zach and Nations in Action will like nothing more than to have more validation that they are allowed to, to release and give to people. Uh, they would love to have that. They're not ducking from the story or, or anything like that. But in, the, in this era of concern about the election cycle and the ongoing, I mean, I'm sure you, my listeners, receive the kinds of text messages and emails I do all the time. 
people floating election fraud theories, people uh, floating kind of far-fetched stories about what's about to happen and the military is going to do this tomorrow and all, all these allegations and stories that fly around um, by various, uh, in some cases, just simply conspiracy theorists. Uh, other people maybe putting a pretty robust spin on a simple little fact they've learned. All I know is that on my show, I'm committed to truth. I, that's my hashtag for this show, Truth About America. I am very careful what I put on, very careful what I raise. And I, so I, a lot of conspiracy theories out there I cannot validate. And I'm not, I, on the Maria Zak story, nothing that you're about to hear today is inconsistent with what Maria Zak has presented. I have no further validation of what she has said than I did before. I understand social media is trying to take that interview down. You can find it on our website, americacanwetalk.org. It's on our website. And I'll make my quick plug again. As social media is clamping down on programs like mine, you can watch this show live right on my own website where social media cannot tinker with it. So my website, americacanwetalk.org, if you type that in at the start of the showtime, 3 p.m. Central Time, put americacanwetalk.org, um, you know, hashtag, not hashtag, um, back... Backslash. Thank you, backslash live. AmericaCanWeTalk.org backslash live. You can watch it on my website. Probably a safer place to find it. All of my interviews and shows will be saved there. And we are working to keep our show out there on existing social media and new social media. End of speech. Now I want to ask Russ Rams to tell us everything he has for us to understand about what they've been, what ASOG has been up to. Well, all right. I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about the last couple of months. First off, I want to say that when we started studying the election system, uh, one of the things we realized is that Clarity and Dominion and ES&S all report results to an entity called Clarity Election Night Reporting. And that's owned by a company in Barcelona, Spain called CIDL. Say it again, Clarity Election Night? Uh, Clarity ENR, Election Night Reporting. And they all report results in real time to Clarity Election Night Reporting. Now that's on a server, uh, it was in Frankfurt, Germany for quite a period of time. And um, so we suddenly realized that our votes are ending up outside of this country. And we went, wow, that doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. Doesn't sound too secure, particularly if we're all worried about foreign intervention. So we began to look at it and what we realized is that Clarity itself, um, Seidel itself, which is the parent company and owns Clarity, um, actually has malware in, in, on equipment that is in the system. Uh, and what it does is it harvests the credentials of any um, server that is uh, reporting up to it. So every county where uh, Dominion counts or ESNS counts or Heart counts, uh, all their credentials are being harvested up there. Now, if you have their credentials, that means you can go back down into those systems. Does credentials mean identifying thing to a particular voter? Is that what that means? Credentials? Well, no. Credentials mean this is my login and this is my password so you can get into my computer and my files. Okay, who's my? The election administrator? The election administrator okay. has a, and everyone working in that uh, should have, you know, just like your email, should have a username and a password or your bank account or anything else. Well, what that's doing is it's really saying, 
uh, I'm telling you my, my credentials to get into my bank account, or I'm telling you my credentials to get into my email, only in this case, I'm telling you how to get in to my election system here in Fulton County, Georgia, or Dallas, Texas, or Detroit, or Philadelphia. All of these are giving them everything they need to know in order to come back into that system. Okay. Okay, that we found horrifying. And we've yes. known that for probably 18 months. And that's really what got us looking at the whole foreign side. Now today we're gonna to talk about what you said, Hammer and Scorecard, but I actually learned about Hammer and Scorecard only about four months ago. So we worked in this area for a year or so before we ever came upon uh, Hammer and Scorecard, but it's become very, very relevant now for reasons that we're about to go into. I wanna tell you that everything I'm showing you today uh, it has, has been on the internet at one point or another albeit sometimes very short periods of time, but it's already been put out there by someone. So it's already in the, or has been in the public domain. So I just wanna make clear to everybody there that we're not revealing um, any national secrets that um, um, haven't already been out in the public domain. Yep, okay, really okay. clear. This is you know, not your, this article I've been mentioning, this is not your organization's work. This is somebody else's. No, and we don't okay. even know who those people are. Okay. Uh, so I you hope they're yeah. still healthy, but um, <laughs> yeah. I, okay. I don't know. I don't know who they are. I don't know how they got their information, but it's yeah. an amazing article. Yep. And it's basically true. So, because it comports with what we found independently before we ever heard of Hammer and Scorecard, certainly before we ever heard of these people. So okay. let me jump in here, and uh, I've got a PowerPoint. And the first thing that people need to understand is that this is actually a possible act of war, what we're talking about here. And so this is a very, very, very serious topic. And this is not black hat stuff. This is something that is a matter of national interest. Every American, Democrat, Republican, Independent, Libertarian, everybody, should be concerned about because this is what war in the 21st century looks like, okay? So next slide. Um, what I wanna talk about today is that there is intercepted satellite data that uh, we can see irrefutable proof that China and concert with others has gained control over our election system uh, and it could be uh, an act of war that creates a national emergency. And by and large, this is being ignored in Washington. I've been there for two months. I've been very, very close to everything going on there. Um, the electronic voting machines that we have are critical infrastructure. Uh, we already knew and have known for quite a while they were easy to compromise and alter the vote. And um, that subverts the will of the United States voters. Um, perhaps even installs a China ally, I don't know. I also want to tell you that I don't know whether the Italy story is true or not, but it is consistent with what we talk about here. I have met with those people. I have talked with those people. What they tell me sounds credible enough that we should have looked at it, and I can tell you with a reasonable degree of certainty, it wasn't. So that's a problem. Reasonable degree that it wasn't looked into. That it yeah. was not looked into. Uh, the government has been very quick to say, oh, we've seen this, it's debunked. Uh, I am very quick to say, who investigated it? 
who debunked it and how did they debunk it, and I have yet to have anyone tell me uh, when I've seen all these debunked things, uh, I have yet to have anyone answer me. And so um, it's fine to say it's debunked. Uh, it puts in a position where one side keeps presenting real evidence, the other side just keeps saying that's debunked, but they never present any evidence <laughs> that it's debunked. That's right. a problem. It's just a label they throw out. Not, it's a yeah. label. That's all it is. And wow. it's worth no more. It's like Enron is honest. It's a label. Okay? Yeah. So let's go on here. Uh, next slide. I want to start out and say you should never shout fire in a crowded theater for no reason. But when there's smoke, intense heat, a crackling roar, and the appearance of flames, then you really do need to yell for an investigation. And so today what I'd like to do is discuss the smoke, intense heat, I said here, hmm, crackling roar, and even the visible flames that we have seen. And then people can decide whether this is something that we need to be looking at. So let's go ahead. I want to talk about how China has leveraged financial, non-governmental, and foreign allies, including Venezuela and Pakistan, to help influence and control the U.S. voting infrastructure. Um, in this last election, we have reports from reasonably credible people that this has taken place in 17 states. People need to understand, the president is not acting but he is not acting on the advice of his advisors. His advisors have by and large advised him to do absolutely nothing, to uh, press no levers, to use none of his powers, and to date, even though we have fairly first-hand knowledge of the things that have been suggested, his advisors have um, stopped all of those. And so <clears throat> the president has been very much firewalled off from um, people, he um, is—he's uh, pretty much alone, and um, his advisors are pretty much in a big hurry to get him out the door so they can get onto a big-paying government job or a lobby job someplace. It appears so. It's not a good situation. So let's move along. Do you need that previous slide, or you no? This okay, is fine. Is okay. So I said that that this um, really. Um, starts out in Venezuela, and I want people to understand this, that uh, in 2000, Chavez really, uh, people of, uh, in Venezuela really got Smartmatic going, which is a voting company. And it was used in 2004 in Venezuela to avoid the recall vote on Chavez. Um, it could, you've seen articles out there about how people, uh, there's affidavits out there about people who were involved at the time that um, have been very clear that it was designed from the very beginning to um, allow the vote to be manipulated in real time. The uh, Smartmatic in 05 bought a U.S. company Sequoia Voting Systems. Uh, they immediately had problems with uh, CFIS, which is basically the committee that looks at foreign investment in the U.S. And uh, so Smartmatic supposedly sold Sequoia in sort of a wink-wink deal. Uh, Smartmatic created SVS Holdings, um, and this thing kept rolling along. Eventually, you got Dominion into the game. They, uh, they got involved with ES&S, SVS Holdings, and um, all of these guys, you'll notice, begin to all get mixed up with each other. And that's why today, if you look at Dominion and ES&S and Smartmatic and all these people, 
Um, the software underneath all these companies looks very, very similar. It's very eerie. But the real thing that, that kind of gets the, the icing on the cake is that in 2020, China put 400 million into a group called Staple Street just weeks before the 2020 election. And when they did that, they took an assignment of the Dominion IP as collateral. Now the Dominion IP is very similar to Smartmatic, it's very similar to ES&S, et cetera. In fact, in a minute we're gonna talk about how similar they really are. IP, intellectual property. Intellectual property, yes, software. Yep. Okay, so let's go along to the next slide. I wanna talk about how the CCP has some financial control of Dominion and how the CCP uh, has control of software that um, works exactly like Dominion, i.e. Smartmatic. So let's move along now. You need to know about two companies, UBS Securities in New York and UBS Securities Limited in Beijing. UBS Securities in New York is historically a Swiss investment bank, but on their board, they have, and I'm going to butcher these names, I apologize to these poor Chinese people, Yi Jing, uh, who was the chairman of UBS Beijing for over 10 years. Now, he resigned December 1 to hide his relationship when things started to get hot with Dominion. Um, these, uh, you'll see there are several Chinese board members, all of which were deleted from the website on the 9th of December. There's uh, the Secretary of the People's Bank of China, Muelina, uh, who is the Director of Fund Management and Head of Fund Operations for USB Beijing, Liu Duaoqing, uh, who is on both boards. And together, um, this UBS Securities in New York owns 25% of UBS securities in Beijing, but the other 75% is owned by the Chinese government. So you see right away that UBS securities, uh, New York and UBS securities, Beijing, are very closely linked with a shared director, shared control, and it's this entity that ended up eventually giving the 400 million to Staple Street investors and got all the software as the collateral. So right away, there's a very tight financial and very concerning financial relationship. Let's go to the next one. That just gives you a little quick slide uh, that you can follow the money that I just described. Uh, it is interesting that Smartmatic, uh, one of Biden's top transition people, um, is a, uh, was a major player in Smartmatic, i.e. Sequoia, Dominion, ES&S. Dominion has claimed that they have no relationship and nothing in common with Smartmatic. There's a very interesting piece of evidence that, that puts the lie to that, and it's in the next slide. Let's, let's go to that one. This is the evidence. Uh, in the Chancery Court in the state of Delaware, they had significant litigation against each other. Why? The reason they had the litigation is because they both wanted to have the worldwide licensing rights to their software and they had to sue each other because it's essentially the same software. 
So what is that? I'm actually writing myself questions here to ask you. <laughs> I'm like going questions. Scribble, so, scribble, scribble. But your point in that last one is that they're suing to decide because they both use the same software. They're suing essentially trying to get the court to establish who owns it. Who, who actually has the worldwide licensing rights. Okay. That's, what okay. the, that's what it was about. Okay, let's move ahead. Now, why do we care about that? Well, Smartmatic has a relationship with a Chinese-based technology firm, and this technology firm does all the in-depth studies and certifications for the Smartmatic software, which is so similar to the Dominion software with the same vulnerabilities, et cetera, that Dominion and Smartmatic had that litigation. The firm is Shenzhen Zhuang, I, I can't even pronounce these, yep. I apologize. Uh, no that's problem. what happens when you come from West Texas and you know don't run into too many Chinese people. But anyway, so these guys know everything in the world about the software. Next slide, please. And they had complete access over every aspect of the devices, the equipment, the software. And this was done just months before the November 3rd, 2020 election. Okay? And by the way, Smartmatic licenses some of this stuff to Dominion and back and forth. So, I mean, it's just, it's an incestuous is a good word. Incestuous. Very incestuous. Incredibly incestuous. Yes. So, let's go ahead. Now, the scale of foreign interference. We talked about hammering scorecard. From what I have been shown and what I have been told, um, there are over 2,600 unique network addresses from foreign countries that have been identified as hacking into the 2020 election. Um, if the hammer and scorecard complete data is declassified and allowed to be examined, um, we think that list will grow significantly and perhaps include Italy. But for instance, right now, um, there are 325 unique uh, Chinese sources of uh, entry into the U.S. election system. There are 250 from Beijing, that's in addition to the China. There are four from Huawei, that's in addition to China. And there are even two from Pakistan ISI, which is very interesting because, of course, by now you may have seen the emails where the Nevada, I think it was the Secretary of State, but don't quote me on that, has an email with a, a company uh, in Pakistan closely aligned with Pakistan ISI, which is the intelligence firm over there. Um, and he's saying, well, I'm sending you the U.S. voter rolls. You're what? I'm sending you the U.S. voter rolls. That's actually been out in public? Oh, yeah. In Nevada? It's, it's been out for a month or so. I can't believe I missed that story. And by the ISI, by the way, in Pakistan, that's that is intelligence a, service. For it, it's Pakistan. the government. It's yeah. not a private company. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It's it's Pakistan CIA, and they're not our friends. Okay. So let's move ahead. <clears throat> so this is actually a little snippet of data that uh, appears to be uh, hammer and scorecard data. What you're seeing here under the date, you'll see the exact time that packets were sent over with changed votes. You will see the source um, that happens to be where it came from, which in, is the Huawei cloud you'll see in the first line. Then you'll see uh, an ID. Uh, those may or may not be spoofed 
um, these are very sophisticated people, so don't be surprised if the uh, ID is spoofed. You will see the target server address, which in the first line is the Allegheny County of Elections. There were five files that were sent, and they moved Trump's votes down 3,200 and I think that says 56, but I need to scroll through here on my own laptop to see if I can read it. Uh, okay, what you're talking, going through right now, because it is for listeners, they do see that screen. It's the top line you're talking about? Yeah, that top line that okay. says um, uh, the date, which is 11-3 of 2020, that's the election at 718 Pacific Standard, Pennsylvania, and then the source is the IP address of where it came from, which is the Huawei cloud, and then the ID is the actual equipment, although I said that may be spoofed, and then the target is the server where it went to, which was the Allegheny County of Elections. And the number of files that were sent and the changes, in this case it was down for candidate Trump, 3,266 votes. So that is a change where 3,266 votes were subtracted from President Trump's total coming out of China. And what you're seeing in this is line by line. Now, this file is reported to be in total over 35 terabytes. Terabytes. That's ginormous. That's not a good word, but it's yeah, just... Yeah, but it's pretty good description. <laughs> pretty good description. Certainly bigger than you and me. Yeah. <laughs> so um, this, is, this is the data that has already been shared. We would like for President Trump to declassify all of this so that it could be, and, and to let David Montgomery interrogate, excuse me, uh, Dennis Montgomery interrogated with hammer and, and scorecard software that he wrote and knows how to use uh, so that we can uh, see all the changes that were made. But we have already been told, and let's move along to the next slide. The only thing that's missing now, because we see the data we know it's there. The only thing that is missing are the actual packet flows. Now, people did trace the packet flows. I don't know that I put it in here or not. We'll see. It may be in a later slide. But we haven't seen in real time the flows, but we can if the president will declassify hammer and scorecard data so that it can be examined and release Dennis Montgomery, as you said, from the U.S. protective order and the state secrets privilege, uh, because right now he can't, he can't do that. Um, and, and we think this is really, really, really critical because current reputable polls are now showing that approximately 50% of the American people, think about that, 50% of the American people now believe that there was election interference, even in the face of all this naysaying and, quote, debunking, for which there is no proof, and massive censorship, and really sort of totalitarianism masquerading as virtue. And so it's time for the That's US a great line. Well, I think it's true. is masquerading as virtue. That's exactly right. Yeah. And Period. I do think it's time for the U.S. government to prove its case. And because I'm going to show you more things that came out okay. from our side, but it's out there. It's easy for the president to do. Why his advisors are telling him not to do it is beyond me. Um, but it needs questions. to happen. Yeah. It needs to happen. So let's move ahead here. 
So we are told that when all 35 terabytes of the data would be processed, we would find that uh, in the six contested states, uh, Trump actually won. Now, okay, that's fine. Uh, that's a good thing. But again, the, the thing that is so important here is that the American people be able to have some faith in their voting system, whether Trump won or Biden won. If I were Joe Biden, I'd be telling Trump to do this because I would want to prove, if I thought I actually won legitimately, I'd want to prove to the American people I did. I know what you're saying, and this is what an honest person would say, but, and I'm, I know this isn't a partisan thing because this kind of interference could happen and benefit either side, but I don't put it, I mean, I think that the left wants power more than they can, than the life itself. And it, so the idea of Biden, they, they pushed through a Biden victory, however it was done electronically and otherwise. And, and this is, it is a tell that they are want, lusting for power more than truth in our elections because they don't. No one on the left is even remotely interested in permitting examination of any evidence of election fraud. They, they won and they want to call it signed, sealed, delivered, done, no more talking. Yeah, well, I mean, Let's let's face it. The whole um, the whole woke shutdown uh, movement is is really very reminiscent of what happened in the late twenties in Germany. It's, yes, uh, it's very uh, it's very disturbing and very scary about about that. So let's go back here and, and look. So um, the indications we get is that Trump probably won Arizona by about twenty eight thousand votes if you just uh, corrected it for the hammer and scorecard changes. Same with Georgia, 73,000 votes. Michigan, he'd have won by about 39,000 votes. Let's go to the next slide. And there's Nevada, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin. Now, this is all pretty disturbing. This is all pretty disturbing. And the fact that it would be so simple to prove or disprove this, Deb, right. and yet it's not being done. And it needs to be done. It needs to either be proven or disproven. We think it's probably legit based on our work and our sources that we saw. And of course, all of this is, has been on the internet at least for a few minutes. So let's go ahead. And the other thing, you have assembled all this information without subpoena power. I mean, this oh, is, well, we have no, no, no. Right, this is no. why if, if the government gets involved, a court, uh, any court allowing an actual investigation or the DOJ or FBI doing it, they have subpoena power, which changes everything in terms of what you can determine to be true or not. Correct. And they, and they won't do it. And they will not do it. In fact, they have done everything they can to block it, and that too is disturbing. At some point, the question becomes, so what are you guys hiding? If, yeah. if you really believe this, I mean, and I'm going to show you more proof and evidence here, but if you really believe this, here's mine, you just can easily show it's wrong if you just would, but they're not. Yeah. All they're doing is just screaming debunk, which as you correctly say is a label. There have been no court cases that have actually heard any evidence other than the one in Michigan in Antrim County and the judge, and it was a down ballot race challenge then. And so right, the yeah. judge says, oh, okay, well you were a candidate, you do have standing, I'm gonna let you do this. And so we were brought in to do some forensic uh, analysis in, in Antrim. But let me go on and just finish the hammer and scorecard. These actually are um, what we have been told so far 
are the Chinese IPs that were used in the Chinese hack, the Huawei cloud IPs that were used. These are real live IP addresses of real live servers that you can see the data coming in that played with this election. So let's go on the next slide. This is just a little diagram that kind of shows you how it all works. Data goes up to satellite, data goes back down. That's why satellite data is important. And if you really, uh, if he would declassify the data, we'd be actually be able to see the data packet moves. So go ahead. This is the how the packets move, as you can see, back and forth all around the world. And and uh, you can, um, if you want to just, uh, if the control room wants to just play with the uh, the um, automation, you'll you'll see there's you can play it down there at the bottom, but maybe not. Okay, now let's not worry about it. You can see, yeah, go ahead and hit that. Nope, didn't work. Okay, well, never mind. Go back. Yeah, it didn't, didn't work. Okay, we'll move ahead to the next slide. This gives you an idea of how prevalent Dominion and ESNS voting is in this country. All the gray and all of that maroon are all Dominion and ESNS. 90% of the votes in the U.S. are cast on these machines. They go through Clarity Election Night reporting. They have all of their credentials taken so that if someone who's another actor wants to go back into this and change votes, they very easily can, just like we've seen with, with uh, purportedly from this data that's hammered in scorecard in China. So let's move ahead. It's, it's kind of important to, to understand what the voting system looks like and where the cheating occurs. I don't know if you can walk through this, but just, yeah, hit it again. Okay, so at the voting place, you can get bad signatures, bad formats, and bad QR codes. That's top left. Or top left. That's <clears throat> where you and I are voting. Now. We're told that none of that is connected to the internet. I'm going to tell you about irrefutable proof we've seen in the field that that is all a bald-faced lie for the most part. Let's go to the next one. Regular and adjudication. You know, we talked about the fact that ballots inside here either go to the regular stack or inside the computer they go to adjudication. Inside adjudication, that ballot and any other ballot in it. It can even be a blank ballot. It can be thousands of blank ballots. Those can all be downloaded into an Excel file. They can be voted in mass, or you can even assign a percentage to one and percentage to the other, and they're even re-uploaded into the system. It's just that simple. And I was noticing that one of the Dominion uh, people said, oh no, that's, that's not what happened. And I said, well, look on the very last section of chapter 11 in your book and it'll tell you how to do it. <laughs> so you'll know in the next time. So it's all there. Let's go ahead. The company, oh, click one more. The companies themselves have little or no actual security with old published passwords like we found in, in Dominion. It's true for all of the other companies as well. The, the software is atrocious, and a lot of the machines, the password is actually uh, put on a piece of paper and taped to the machine. How hard can this be, you know? So let's go to the next one. Now, what you saw there is that that information of the votes goes either to CIDL, Clarity, and up to the AWS cloud, and then to China and others, or it can go directly from central counting in some cases. 
But what's interesting is up in the top right corner, China and others, down below that you'll see Pakistan, Cavtech, ISI. Cavtech is the company that the Nevada folks sent all the voter rolls to. Why is that important? Well, it's important because in adjudication, what's supposed to happen is you're supposed to attach a voter's name to the ballot, however you vote it. Well, if you put in a bunch of fake ballots, you need an inventory of names to attach the ballot to. If you've got all the names in Pakistan of the U.S. voter rolls, it's pretty easy to now start pulling on those and attaching them to the ballots that you're going to re-inject back into the system. Next slide. Next. So slide. that ties to the Nevada guy emailed to Pakistan. Exactly. Okay. So then, and then click it one more time. So now you see then things get downloaded back from overseas into the voting system. This is a simplified deal of exactly what we see happening and what we saw before, except we never before this uh, had seen China or anyone else involved. We could only have traced it as far as Seidel and Frankfurt. So let's move ahead. Now, if you say, yeah, but show us your evidence. Well, look at that boat dump in the middle of the night in Georgia. That's impossible. That's a faster vote dump than they had equipment on hand to process. So those are votes that got dumped in, either through the adjudication file or hammer and scorecard, all at once. And probably it came through the hammer and scorecard deal because what happened is, if you recall, they shut down a lot of these systems around midnight. Why? Well, in Dominion, you do that so you can get a final count on the voter inventory that's been used and voted and the voter inventory that's still available to be attached in adjudication to ballots. That's why they were shut down, we okay. think. Because I, I've talked about this in the show before, but it might not be totally obvious from what you were looking at. So, if, you know, actually, Matt, if you wouldn't mind keeping the slide up because I'm trying to, so that where you have the red circle around, uh, says November 4, 635, blah, blah, blah. So what you're describing there is the votes that were coming in and this, this um, the line sticking up from the bottom. Pardon? Sorry, the lines sticking up from the bottom. Yeah, are that's the, the amount of ballots that were suddenly injected in that little tiny time space into the vote total. Okay, yep. Okay, all right, so let's go now, next slide. Michigan, you see the exact same thing. I like your word injections, that's good. Well, it's, it's true, go it's ahead, next one. Visible. Pennsylvania, same thing, go ahead. Now. We've talked a lot about algorithms. This one is colored in two colors so that you can actually see the algorithm working in certain precincts. The green are the vote that are being injected. And this comes from Edison's research. That's the percent of Trump votes in this case, but we can do the same thing with Biden, although it's harder because Biden was on the other side of the algorithm. But what you're seeing in all that blue Look how consistent some of those precincts are in the percentage of votes that Trump is receiving. That's the blue. And then over time, as, as they get enough votes harvested, the algorithm basically fades out. That's what it's designed to do. It comes from what was called the SMOT or SMOOT algorithm, which stands for Synthetic Minority Oversampling Technique. And what that means is we give certain people votes more weight 
than other people's votes. Who created that Smoot algorithm? Is it a Dominion thing? No, that was actually created a while ago. Uh, I believe it was in Serbia where most of the uh, uh, programmers for uh, Dominion are. Dominion uh, programmers are all in Belgrade, Serbia, and that's why Serbia has a direct link and an entry point into any of the Dominion voting systems. But what does that actually mean, the smooth idea, that they're actually, it's an assumption about uh, ethnicity dictating how to like you to vote? Yes, what it does is it basically says, look, if, if you're a minority, then uh, if, if we really want to make things equal, this is their theory, um, we have to give the minority vote more weight in an election than we give the majority's vote. This and actually occurs in our vote tabulation in America. Yes, absolutely. So you're not really one one voter, one vote. No, you're no, no, no. What happens is if where the algorithm is being used, when it is being used, and of course we saw it used in in uh, Antrim because uh, we could see it on the logs. It says the RCV. Um, that's that's. Uh, Let's see, ranked choice voting, chapter 11 in the Dominion manual. Um, you can see RCV used, blah, 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 and it's in the logs. So there's no question about what, what goes on there. But what happens when you're using the algorithm is that all the votes, regardless of who they're for, they get put into one bucket and then they get allocated out. And so according to the algorithmic formula. And so you end up with fractional votes. Because okay. your vote counts 1.32, my vote only counts 0.68. So pretty soon when you start looking at the votes, you'll see that one guy got, you know, 1,255.639 votes. How do you get 0.639 votes? That's crazy. Okay. If everything else you have uncovered, if every bit of other election fraud uh, and, and vote fraud was is incorrect, just what you're saying now ought to be enough to send people through the roof that you have should. in your it should that our voting systems have a tabulation algorithm built into it that is somehow waiting as in w-e-i-g-h-t-i-n-g waiting votes Correct. for people based on ethnicity other than just rather than just saying you know you have 500 voters and here's how they voted today and 300 voted this way 200 this it's got algorithms that are in in any way impacted or are manipulated based on race that that is the craziest thing well it can be based world. on anything or yeah or, or gender or whatever age. yeah it can yeah. be it can be anything like that uh it can be Why you know, would that be part of it, it can be on how you're registered to vote why would that be a legitimate part of any election system well the reason if you read through historically uh, there was this quote fairness issue when it was first being developed but the reason it got built into a lot of these voting systems uh, purportedly was that uh, if you had three or four or five people in a race and you didn't want to have to to keep re-voting um, it, it would decide the runoff by eliminating two people and awarding their votes to the ones that then had the most and then if you ran it again it would take the the maybe candidate three and four, and it would award their votes, and eventually it would decide for you who won the race. The but problem is that it's abused. I, I mean, I know we, I even think we may have talked about this before, but it's really resonating with me. It's absurd. And the example you just gave about if you had four people in a race, how do they know to whom they allocate? If you picked you know, you had candidate A, B, C, and D, and, and I picked D, and so D made it, didn't make it, he's a fourth in line, 
how would they know how to allocate my D vote? The algorithm tells it. So because I'm a, a, a white female uh, Republican that I should be allocated to? I mean, is it that kind of thing? Uh, I, it depends on how it's how it's oh set gosh. up. No, it's, it's that is, I, I tell you, America needs paper ballots. They need paper ballots <laughs> yes, with a pencil, and, and you sit down and you turn it in, and then you have a poll. You have counters and watchers of both parties, and that's how it's counted. Period. Full stop. All this algorithm stuff's got to end. Sorry, go ahead. Okay. okay. Great so, slides. Go ahead. Now let's talk about Antrim. Go ahead to the next slide. So in Antrim, we finally got our hands on a machine to do some forensics. We found, as we talked about, a 68% error message rate. We saw ballot rejection rates of 82% in, in various places. Now that means 82% went to adjudication and there are no logs for the adjudication. So you don't know what happened to those. You have no idea. Uh, the system was basically designed so that massive number of votes could be sent to adjudication for manipulation. For instance, you heard the stories in Arizona about the Sharpies being used mm -hmm. in Republican precincts. Why? Because the Sharpie couldn't be read by the scanner and it would send that vote to adjudication. What a great thing. Um, we saw in, in the logs here in Antrim, we saw that ballots were sent to adjudication because they were on the wrong size paper. Think about that. How does the ballot get on the wrong size paper? It's got the wrong format. Think about that. How does it end up with the wrong format? We saw that the software security records that would show remote access, they were gone. The adjudication records were gone. There were algorithms used at various times in various precincts for various races. And it was very clear this wasn't human error. We, we just saw hundreds of votes change. And as I said earlier, the Dominion CEO's denial isn't an argument with us. It's really an argument he has between himself, his user manual, his company logs, and the public records as to the true ownership, genealogy, and software DNA of his company. So, subsequent developments. Very interesting. Of course, everyone by now knows about the famous Fulton County, Georgia video where we see people taking ballot boxes out from under the table after they're supposedly closed, everyone's gone, and massively scouting them through. Um, but what you probably don't know is about the affidavit of the Georgia precinct uh, person who, when they got their poll books and, and all of that, realized they weren't loaded with their precinct. And so they called Dominion and they said, hey, uh, you sent us the wrong equipment. We gotta have equipment that's got our stuff in it. Uh, Dominion says, no problem, hang on. We're gonna put you into Colorado Springs, which is our, our uh, support desk. And they put them there and they told them who they were and what precinct they should have been. And a couple of minutes later, boom, here it all came on the equipment. Now, this is this equipment that's not connected to the say, Internet. Even though they weren't connected to the Internet, that's so odd. Must yeah. have been a very high-speed carrier pigeon with the ability to insert a thumb drive. Um, we have affidavits from a Georgia uh, election official who noticed, even though she's a Democrat, she noticed that the straight party Republican tickets in this last runoff, none of them went scanned. 100% of them would not scan. So she called Dominion and she said, hey, this isn't working. And Dominion said, well, just push the green button and it'll go to adjudication. It'll accept the ballot. She goes, wait a minute. I've been reading about this. 
I don't want it to go to adjudication. I don't want to be voting someone else's ballot. I want their vote, it's very clear what it was, to be counted. And Dominion goes, no, 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 just, just go ahead and push the green button. She said, you know what, we're going to hang up and my next call is going to be to the local media. Goodbye. Well, at that point, Dominion wanted to come out immediately. So they go flying out there and the Dominion guy walks in and she shows him what the problem is. And he says, wait a minute, goes outside, gets on his cell phone. Ten minutes later, he walks in and says, it should be all fixed. And sure enough, then all the ballots will scan. But mm -hmm. it's not connected to the Internet, right, right. Deb? Okay. Just yeah, keep saying that, yeah. Next one. Go ahead. Georgia poll pad incident. We, we had a poll pad person come up to us and go, I thought this wasn't connected to the Internet. And we said, well, that's the uh, story. We think it is. She says, well, I know blank well it is. She said, watch. And with that, she took her poll pad, she swiped left, and she was out there on Google. She got a Netflix, and she can watch a movie on her poll pad. But it's not connected to the internet, Deb. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Okay. I mean, it's it's just been unbelievable. So who are? Go ahead. No. Facilitators and perpetrators. What you need to understand is that, and the reason it is all very confusing is that there's really sort of three different levels of players. There's the local zealots. Those are the people who ballot harvest to. Uh, allow illegal voter rolls uh, so that there's an inventory of voters to attach later on to uh, counterfeit mail-in or absentee ballots. Uh, and there's illegal, illegal adjudication changes. And by the way, those adjudications don't need to even be in that county. You can send that adjudication file anywhere in the world, download it as an Excel worksheet, vote it, and re-upload it all the way back down into the system, and it's easy to do because they have your login credential. Electronic voting machines. Now, they're made in China. They shift votes from one candidate to the other, either through the algorithms or the adjudication process. And then, of course, we see uh, the hammer and scorecard, China and foreign actors, that shift and add votes. And we think that's really the main attack. But what makes all this a little difficult, and you got to sort them out because all three demonstrably occurred, but they are not occurring in a coordinated fashion. This is not some, everybody is trained in some secret basement someplace in the world. That's not what's happening here. You have got three very distinct set of actors all working, but not in concert with each other. Okay? So, we think we need to restore confidence in the 2020 election. And we don't really think it's all that hard, at least to get by this one. Uh, the first thing we need to do is we need to get an analysis of the election night data using Hammer and Scorecard to reveal its contents and confirm foreign interference or not and quantify the election manipulation that did or didn't take place for all the races. And that's very simple. The president simply has to um, declassify it and allow Dennis Montgomery to look at it. Then the next thing is the seizure of the election equipment is not required. We do not have to go out to every county and go get all this equipment. We can first use Hammer and Scorecard to provide the probable cause to decide in which places we just want to go get the paper ballots. 
Um, we want to conduct an analysis of the November 3rd presidential and the Georgia Senate runoff. And yeah. then we can expand to other contest jurisdictions. You know, the president has until January 20th to reestablish the legitimacy of our voting system, our rule of law and our constitution. And I would hope that if it was President Trump or if it was Joe Biden, whoever's the president, their first and foremost concern is that the American people could feel good in their voting system. And right now they simply can't. We already know from polls that half of them don't believe it. And the point is, this analysis we're talking about right here could be conducted in less than a few days once the White House uh, declassifies and turns um, Dennis Montgomery loose to, to look at this and show his results. So let's move on to the next one. <clears throat> once we have some idea about where the big shifting took place, we can confirm it because we can then go and get the paper ballots, which ought to be ours to examine, but none of which have been uh, surrendered. Maricopa has fought tooth and nail against their own legislature that has yeah. given them a subpoena. Um, the Georgia legislature has asked to see them and, and Fulton County has told them pound sand. Uh, no one wants any of us to see the actual paper ballots, but we can scan them and figure out which ones are counterfeit and which ones are real, and then we simply count the real ones. We could use, for instance, the National Guard to do this uh, so that you have a, a neutral um, uh, group that is doing this, and we could restore confidence in the election outcome first by looking with hammer and scorecard and then by actually going through the ballots themselves. There have been no real complete hand recounts of which we're aware um, uh, so far, other than there were in Antrim, Michigan, after our audit, uh, which confirmed exactly what we had been telling people. So <clears throat> the rest of them have all been just running the same ballots through the machine again. Well, you don't get a change then. The machine's crooked and so are the ballots. And there's, a, uh, we, we don't want to just have sampling because there were huge stacks we know from people. We have hundreds of affidavits of people who were suddenly handed a huge stack of ballots that didn't look like and didn't match any other ballot that they'd gotten. And then today there's a, uh, some hope that some people are going to actually get the video stuff from Detroit, but I don't know if we're going to or not. Oh, but let's go okay. through here. So um, then um, to, to do this, though, we need to have the ballots remain under lock and key, physically protected, so they can't be destroyed, they can't be substituted, they can't be monkeyed with. Um, we know that some people are trying to get the paper ballots destroyed. Uh, we know that, because uh, we've, we've seen this already, we know that uh, there have been massive attempts to block access to the paper ballots. And again, you have to say why. If this right. was the cleanest election we've ever had, we should be delighted to have third parties come in and validate it. But instead, we've gotten complete blocking. And so we just need to, uh, to, to look at, at this once we get through the hammer and scorecard data. And then we could even do this in real time on the internet. We, we got talking about that and we said, you know, why not? Why not actually conduct this recount in these 
specific areas on C-SPAN and let people actually watch and, and see for themselves. This is our voting system. Go ahead to the next slide if you would. Uh, yeah. And so we were saying, well, look, let, let's just throw out some suggestions here so people can understand how easy this is. We could head uh, Sid Gutierrez, who was a NASA astronaut, Air Force Colonel, uh, director at the National Lab. He could just produce a standard procedure to look at the counterfeit ballots, exclude them, and then count the legal ballots. Uh, it would take about five to 10 days and um, with some national assets like the National Guard to, to go in and count. And, but it needs to be done in full public view. We don't need any of this uh, boarding up the counting place and, <laughs> and putting the poll watchers 50 feet away. That's just ridiculous. And um, the, the U.S. Marshals could immediately secure the ballots in those areas that uh, Hammer and Scorecard outline and, um, and be able to secure them so that we could look at them. And this isn't martial law, this isn't militarization, this isn't posse comitat, this isn't anything except just auditing some areas that need to be audited. So the American people can say, look, Joe Biden won legit or not, uh, we're gonna accept him even if we didn't vote for him. If we did vote for him, we're gonna rejoice for him. Um, but if not, we need to know who really did, because this is not just about the presidential race. This is all the way down to dog catcher at your local level. It's about your senator, it's about your house member, it's about your state rep, it's about all of these things. Okay, so um, I think that's... Uh, uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're kind of getting to the end here. Um, I will go ahead and, and go through one or two more slides, one more, um, and then one more. There you go. That's my favorite slide. Dominion voting made in China. That's actually in the Sacramento warehouse. That was Sacramento. Okay. I actually, there were some pictures in a Georgia warehouse too that were very suspect. I don't know what they were. Okay. Well, Russ, this is obviously, I was going to say a couple quick things that I have this very short list of questions. Matt the Wonderful is great to be. I know we're running way over time. Uh, my overall point I was going to say is that one thing that people who, especially Biden supporters, but just people who are, are, are anti-Trumpers, is the line is to say is uh, there's been no evidence of election fraud or no evidence of election fraud that could possibly have changed the outcome. And so they're, please move on, please move on, please move on. And so I want to make the point that, first of all, you know, in every election since time began, there have been arguments about dead people voted or whether the count was slightly off. And these things we should always try to have perfectly honest elections. We've never probably had one perfectly honest because those kind of thing happens, kinds of thing happen. But these, what we were just looking here, it is obviously complex to follow and it makes it easy for people who don't want to get to the truth just to say no proof, no proof. And when you try to show them like something like this, you get the, you get the kind of, well, it's too complex. Who can follow that? But you know, the, the, the answer is everyone who cares about honest elections has to be willing to either look at this, absorb what's being said, and recognize you have a problem, or else stop saying there's no proof of election fraud. I mean, if you didn't like sitting through a lengthy explanation, then at least stop saying, 
you know, there's no proof of election fraud because what we have, what you just watched here, uh, is actually information that is available to be put out to the public. Uh, it, nothing we said that he said here is not public. And secondly, it is at the hands is in the President Trump's hands now to decide to release this release this information, release information that relates to the uh, data put together. Um, and and I know people are tired of the tension, tired of the chaos, tired of the division and all that, but we're actually entitled, we American people should be demanding accurate elections and demanding transparency and demanding exposure if there was fraud. And at the end of the day, we did all this, and the fact is it turned out Biden got 100 million votes and Trump got 30 million, I'll take it. Whatever the answer is, I want truth. Now I'm gonna quick ask you some things. One is, um, when um, you talk about um, Donald Trump's advisors telling him not to, to challenge it, you have any idea why? I mean, I'm, I know I'm asking you to speculate. What's the reason they would just tell him this? Uh, well, there's some, there's some explanations. There's also some ugly street talk. And I don't know, I haven't actually been in the room when these discussions took place, but I have talked directly with people who were in the room. Um, and the fact of the matter is that um, the president's inclinations on several occasions have been to move ahead with this sort of thing. And as soon as the people briefing him left the room, uh, people like Cipollone, uh, Mark Meadows, etc., people like that have said, no, 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 we don't, we don't want to do this. Now, is it because um, they are, um, they, they don't want to cause this confrontation? Is it because they don't want to believe it? Is it because they don't truly understand it? Is it because they have a big job offer waiting for them as long as they help get the president out? I think the answer is a little bit of all of the above, depending on which person it is. I mean, you've got guys, you know, I saw an article yesterday, Cipollone's apparently going around and telling White House staffers not to work with the president because they could be liable for treason. This is nuts. If that article is true, I don't know if it's true, but if it's true, that's nuts. This should never be allowed in this country. Yeah. Uh, actually, Patrick Byrne, who was in one meeting at the White House, and he actually wrote an article, which I discussed on the show. He's been on the show, and then I discussed this article where he was saying, yeah, Cipollone was the one telling Trump, no, I don't want to go there. And the other thing he's supposedly been saying is that um, the president might be concerned that the uh, military won't follow any orders he puts in place. At this point, he's kind of out of, he's, you know, out of power and can't and and perhaps cannot get the federal agencies to do whatever he needs them to do. So yeah, a, a lot of undermining. Okay, I want to go back. So um, if all this has been in existence, all you've uncovered, uh, and so wouldn't this have been come to the attention over the years to the DOJ and the FBI? I mean, what, why is it? And, and this is another hypothetical. I'm sorry, but why is it that these all of this, uh, the vulnerability of the, the voting machines, the ability to access and hack and change votes, why wouldn't this have come to the attention? of someone in power, and why wouldn't they have cared? I mean, someone in the DOJ, just, it's just astonishing. We've had this level of uh, incompetence and, and vulnerability and no... Well, keep in mind, Hammer and Scorecard were inventions of our intelligence agencies. That's true. Yeah. So they're deeply involved, and over the past 10 years, someone suddenly went, you know what? Gosh, uh, if we can rig elections in other places to our benefit, we can rig elections here. And if you read that article that you referred to, 
uh, it, it discusses that very fact and the fact that now apparently China has a copy of Hammer and Scorecard. It's been sold to them. There's private interests that uh, have uh, a copy of Hammer and Scorecard. And uh, even the Brits have a copy of Hammer and Scorecard. Um, I will also tell you that some of our guys believe Hammer and Scorecard isn't even necessary in order to do this kind of activity, except that Hammer and Scorecard apparently, uh, because of its history and its long usage, is that it's gotten a lot of the bugs out of it, and it can deal with the massive scale that this would take. Because this is very distributed attacks. You know, if you tried to attack the US system, from just one or two or three or four servers, and for instance, the NSA saw that coming in, they could do a denial of service attack on those servers. In other words, cram them up with, with incoming data to keep them from being able to send change votes into this country. But when you start hacking into the system with the number of servers that we've just been talking about today, there is no way that you can stop that, that kind of attack and only Hammer and Scorecard, or at least certainly Hammer and Scorecard, appear capable of coordinating that number of attacks from those number of servers on that scale and being able to do all the calculations as to voters and, and, and votes and what to change and where to change it in real time. So um, it's, it's more than highly disturbing because in essence, what's happened is we have intelligence agencies that no longer perhaps think it's in their best interest to go look for things like this. We've never been able to get the FBI, for instance, to pay any attention at all to our work. None. Zero. Well, and yet they do on other areas. We have provided information to them in other areas that they've been very interested in and acting in. But you walk in and want to talk about the election system and it's like crickets don't want to talk to you. We had the DHS in Austin and CISA in Austin, extremely concerned about this. They came and they visited with us, they looked at all the data, they, um, they convinced themselves it was all true and real and we weren't a bunch of crazy black conspiratorialists. And when they started to try to hold secure um, classified briefings and move it up through their chain, they couldn't get very far. Couldn't get far. Didn't want to hear it. You know, Russ, we are, um, first of all, I want to thank Matt the Wonderful. We are way over our normal time. I'm so grateful. This is just such a huge topic, a huge story. And, and as we were t texting about earlier, uh, sooner the better to get all this out there and to inspire people to want to say, you know, to I want to find out what the right answers are, what the truth is. So the, the immediate step, I believe, is to encourage in the way we can through public social media, to encourage President Trump to consider uh, going ahead and, and um, lifting the uh, federal gag orders, the state secrets privilege and the government protective order uh, that are preventing the CIA contractor turned whistleblower, Dennis Montgomery, preventing him from giving out his kind of information or releasing his information, talking about this information. And as you just heard Russ was saying a moment ago, Russ Ramsland, who's here in the studio with us, if we did have this kind of uh, release and the permission, the ability to review the data, in 10 days, you could figure out whether America's election was stolen or not. Is that correct? Yeah, I think probably so. 10 days. And so, you know what? It's, I understand when January 20th is. I know what date it is. I, I understand where we are. And, and I don't know what will happen between now and January 20th. But what I do hope happens is that more and more Americans become aware we can actually forensically examine 
if we were to have the government lift this gag order <laughs> and cons commit that they are going to figure out, the, get to the truth, you could have a whole different, and I, I don't even, you know, we're, in, we're so past calling this uncharted territory. We're, we're just out at sea trying to figure out what, what to do here. But the notion that America should have to live under a fraudulent election or live with the consequences of a fraudulent election for four years, especially one that is, uh, seems to be headed toward putting America down a very dark uh, Marxist path, uh, and we have the potential to get the truth out about the election and then figure out what we as a people are going to do in terms of correcting this wrong. Uh, it almost couldn't be anything more important for us to be doing than trying to get the truth out. So we are way past time. I don't know if you want a quick closing, people finding any way they can help. I mean, well, I think you just outlined it. I think right now the real, real thing that needs to happen is the president needs to act. His advisors need to let the president act and there needs to be some, uh, some light and clarity put into this so that we can really um, either all get behind the next administration or realize that there's something very, very wrong. But what we can't do, if we want to come together as a nation again, what we can't do is have half the country believing there was election fraud despite the media's effort to censure and shut this down. They still believe that for very good reason that we've just talked about today. And the other half either not be engaged or try to shut down everyone else. That's not what we're about as a people. That's not what we're about as a country. We're about the First Amendment. We're about the Tenth Amendment. We're about the Second Amendment. We're about the Twelfth Amendment. We are supposed to be a nation of laws and rules. And if our own government no longer obeys them, where do we go? And on that note, and I'll tell you, the other thing is that many people have been troubled, and I have, and lamented many times about in the show, how could the Department of Justice and the FBI not care? How could they not want to investigate when they're, what you hear, heard today, you've had affidavits from people across the country describing what they saw, and there just has been a profound level of disinterest uh, emanating from uh, Washington, D.C. to get to, to find out what really happened and is really a grave disservice to America, a grave disservice to our, and we do in America, we're supposed to have the expectation of free and honest elections. It's the only way to perpetuate a country rooted in the freedom of the people and we the people being the sovereign, we the people uh, making our choices of our governance. If we lose that, we lose the whole central premise of America, the idea of we the people uh, with a government we choose through free and fair elections. Probably could talk another hour or so, but um, they're, they're closing up shop here at my studio, so we're gonna wrap it up. I close up every show by telling you, uh, I'm gonna drop my second topic. We'll get tomorrow, talk about the other stunt Nancy Pelosi's polling with the uh, Constitution, but I wanna go and just give you one little slide on why it matters to you. We talked at the start of the show about tyranny and censorship exploding. January 6th Capitol Hill riots are being used as a justification for a mob-enforced nationwide gag order against any talk of a dishonest election. Corporate America is bowing to the mob, banks, hotels, communication companies, backing away from anything and anyone who does not salute to the installation of Joe Biden. Universities acting to separate, oh, I didn't even tell you this, yeah, not, universities taking away, I mentioned um, Representative Stefanik taking away uh, her, her role at Harvard. There was actually talk about rescinding diplomas of people in Congress who will not agree. This is Mark Elias at Perkins Coie. He's not in government, but close enough. University is trying to act and separate from elected geo officials, encouraged to rescind diplomas of all absurdity. 
threats to crews, Holly, House GOP members on no-fly lists, designated as domestic terrorists because they dared to challenge a, a electoral fraud. This is what tyranny looks like. American institutions are not stopping it. Candles and prayers of the German marchers brought down the Berlin Wall. How will the American people respond? I'll give you a few ideas next time. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. This is America Can We Talk. We're on Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time. My show, America Can We Talk, is dedicated to talking truth about America. That's why I do the show, to speak up and speak truth about America. Thank you so much for listening. Tune in every single day. Share the show. Come to the website, AmericanWeTalk.org. Do not forget. Start trying, moving over there, because I'm already getting shows censored, and there may be more of that. So you can always find us on our home website, AmericanWeTalk.org. But thanks for listening to my show, America Can We Talk, where I always talk truth about America, because America matters. And I'll talk to you next time. Can we talk truth about America? Can-